Yo everyone, welcome back to brand new Techish We Back in the Building. It's Michael Payne, still a bit sick, and I'm joined with Cassie. And you're also, also a bit sick. sick. Yeah, also. Yeah. I, I have uh I, I now say that I am cohabitating with a virus. Listen, this virus is they don't want to leave. I don't know what to do. Anyone it's got any tips on getting rid of viruses quickly? Help us. Neuralink. <laughs> anyways, so anyways, yeah, um we work has now started to lay off staff. Um, Oof, by the thousands. So up to meetup.com has laid off 25% of its workforce. Um, they are forced to sign on non-compete. Uh, so that essentially means they can't... I mean, one of their employees came out anonymously and says, so that means we can't work at a school, a co-living facility, a gym, a tech company. How will they enforce that? Exactly. So, That's and such then, bad PR. But the worst part of it is the fact that Adam Newman walked away with $1.7 billion. And these people are now walking away, I think, with three, four months Can pay. they do a class action lawsuit? Has he done anything illegal? I don't think so. I think we live in a system that is for the rich by the rich. Um, so I don't think there is he has broken any laws. I just think it's just the way the system is set up to kind of screw over ordinary working people. That's that's the way so it is. So people that have given their blood, sweat and tears in the startup life, and we all know that WeWork was very cultish. 100%, yeah. Um, are now getting laid off. Yeah. Their equity is worth nothing. Nothing. And the man who orchestrated all of this, walking around barefoot, hiring all of his extended family for six-figure salaries, is getting $1.7 billion payout. Yep. And he's probably, let's face it, going to start another company very soon and raise a big rent around for that. Essentially. Because he's, I mean, not, I he's not a pariah. Mm. A lot of people are, a lot of, like, okay, in our circles and, like, a lot of the narratives he is, but there are also a lot of people who've highlighted the fact that he just played the game very, very well. And they're like, don't hate but, the player, hate the game. Expense, he screwed over his investors as well. So SoftBank has had to come in and rescue, you know, essentially a, a dead investment. Um, so I don't think any, there's a long queue of investors not, that are looking to give him money. But He doesn't need it. He's got his own money. He can just, he's got $2 billion. He can invest what, to in To be fair, the people that went in the, early, in the early rounds they probably got away with it. Yeah, you're right. Have done well. SoftBank got screwed, but everyone that was the early investors made, made a fortune. And that is the lottery That's the game. of investment, right? Like you make bad decisions. I sent you that screenshot the other day. The guy that led the deal at SoftBank was like, it's one of the biggest regrets in many ways oh my days. of my life or something. Yeah. Um, but it is, it, it's a shame. And I think we need to remember like these are the risks that we take when we choose which horse to bet on right. in the startup game. Right. I think about that sometimes. I think about how people that joined Groupon or Amazon or whatever, like X months before me or stayed X months after me, ended up with like total comp and the time they worked there significantly higher. Like right. timing plays a big part. How so? Just purely timing and just like how long they stayed. And because, stuff like you that. know, equity that's offered in compensation packages will like change all the time. And like, it's like more generous the earlier that you start, but course, also yeah. maybe like the cliffs that you have to pass, like how long you have right. to work before you invest might be shorter, etc. Yeah. But I also think of like friends that worked at like, oh, I'm just going to join this company called Stripe that's growing really fast and they're taking on PayPal and you're just like, oh, okay, payments isn't really interesting to me, but good luck with that. Right. You know, five years later, they're at a unicorn company with a lot of shares. Yeah. And then you have other friends that are like, oh, I'm working on this machine learning. It's going to reduce costs of buying property and everyone's going to use this. And it goes bust. Yeah, or it doesn't even... I mean, it's still ticking along. Dead in the water is a technical term. I guess exactly. like, yeah, it's not going to IPO. It's not going to... We sometimes forget how much of choosing to be in this industry is choosing to gamble. Yeah. So I, I mean, think it's actually, part of the I, fun. I saw a tweet from um, Marco Rogers. Um, shout out to Marco Rogers and Ania Williams. They were... Um, he was talking about how... I think something happened with Patreon where they got in trouble. 
like with their business model. And he was like, yeah, I, I interviewed at Patreon and I was like, yo, I don't get your business model. I don't see how this is going to work. So mm. almost now when you are trying to get a job at one of these tech companies, you need to know the long-term viability of this. Oh, kind of, yeah. Like, and you need to almost be like an investor of, in your own sense and be like, yo, Do the like, due diligence. Yeah. It, and you have to put in your, you know, your really, you know, MBA investor hat and be like, yo, what's the business model here? What's defensible about this? What's the plan? How much money are we making? Are we profitable? Because otherwise it's like, yo, these the equity is worthless. It's not, it's, 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 it might as well just be some random crypto token that went to zero essentially, right? So I feel for all the WeWork employees just but bringing it's, it back. And, and let's be honest, like, are are they going to be honest about that? In what sense? Like, I've been on the, on, at the interview table before. Right. Oh, the company. Yeah. I mean, people... Uh, and, you know, these are companies like even post-series A, so I've got all the information I can right. from the internet. Yeah. And now I need to ask some serious stuff around like, okay, what's your international expansion plan? What's this? What's that? I mean, companies will still bullface lie to you. And, like, right. it's difficult because we have to we have to operate in uncertainty and ambiguity. Right. I mean, and, I, and there's always I, something you can't know. That's true. And they probably are not even lying to you. They just drank the Kool-Aid. They just believe it themselves. Yeah. And it's up to us as individuals to be savvy enough to determine, like, are they saying, does it feel right to me? Does it look right? Um, The other thing I wanted to ask you on, so the people that have signed the non-compete clause. Now, you know what, yeah? When I grew up, yeah, studying, you know, economics and business, everyone's like, yo, man, free market capitalism, competition, let the best man win. So Mm. how does a non-compete clause factor into that? To me, it is one of the most anti-competitive things you could ever do. And it proves to me that, you know, the capitalist class or the people that are the investors that own the means of production, um, they are talking ish because that is just purely there just to protect them and it has nothing to do with making the comp- the market as competitive as possible right like for them like i said that person saying does that mean i can't work at a tech company does that mean i can't work at a gym does that mean i can't work at a co-working space like what does this actually mean so what's your um historical experience then with non-competes or what do you think about them like like i mean i in my tech career have had to sign like two on two occasions you know contracts at parting which basically say we're going to give you this but now you can't say any of that and i think my view on them is like changing over time because right. i feel like in in the moments where i had to do them i either felt like quite powerless in the situation i'm also mm. like mindful of the fact that you know it, it, it's never enough money that you don't have to work again you still right. have to work again and i think for me there's just that fear that if you don't play ball you won't get references yeah or you'll get um, what do they call it? Black ball. Black balls, yeah. Um, I don't know the origins of that word, so now I feel yeah, <laughs> hesitant to use it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But, you know, basically that people are going to speak negatively about you in mm-hmm. back channels and you're not going to get a job again or there'll just be negative signals around you and that will put people off. And because of that, I think it's so important for individuals to just like tap into community and tap into collective action because when I think of like the first time I was in that situation... If there was a podcast like Techish, if there was like people of Clone Tech, to be fair, I think I knew about you, but I didn't like think of how I could harness that. Right. If I was more aware of like even just Black Tech Twitter and had like yeah. done blah 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 happening, asking for a friend, what should I do? I yeah. feel like I would have had an outpouring of information right. where people could have been like, "Listen, you don't actually have to sign that. You can do this instead." Or, "Hey, speak to this lawyer or do that or do mm-hmm. whatever." But I just think these institutions are so powerful. All the information is so complicated. There's so much of it. It's overwhelming. Mm. And, you know, as an individual on that day, I'm already trying to think of like, where's my next paycheck coming from? I don't even have time to mess with this WeWork nonsense anymore. And I think that is really, 
really sad and really terrifying and that's why I think it's really important that individuals just like tap into whatever collective action is available to them uh, another moral lesson important lesson that I've learned this Ooh, year alright philosopher Michael yeah. uh, another important lesson but you know what did you, did you grow up listening to B2K yeah Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> the face you just made there. He's like, how dare you even ask me I that? I mean, course. I'm offended. I thought you knew me. But I listen, like, Rosby. I could have guessed, right? Yeah, so this whole Omarion. story now is about, like, be careful who your squad is. So Amarian um, had a child with a woman called April Jones. Um, so that's his baby mother. And she has now gone off and um, is now in a relationship with one of his former bandmates. Which <laughs> right? one? Ah, oh, I forgot what his name. Oh, God. It's not Rasby, it's, it's Fizz. It. Lil Fizz. Lil Fizz, yeah. Lil Fizz, the one with the long oh, hair. Yeah, 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 yeah Lil Fizz. It's not okay. so low anymore. It's not great, it's not nice. To me, that's very rude. I don't oh, recommend it. Oh, no, anybody. J-Bug, yo. No, it's not J-Bug. Hold on, let me explain. Oh, okay, So wow. Lil Fizz is the one that's done it, right? Okay. So now it's turned out that one of the other band members, rumour has it, slept with his mother. <laughs> So with friends like these, who what? needs enemies? With friends like these, who needs enemies? So be careful who's in your squad. Wow. Verify the squad. Verify who you're working with. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And um, okay. that's, that's ridiculous. This is a controversial question. I feel like I already know the answer to it. But if your mom was single <laughs> and was into younger men and one of your friends was single and was into older women and they had a consensual sexual experience, would you be mad at that friend? I'll be, I'll be, I'll, we've all got to die. That's it. It's done. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, let's all meet up. And then we'll all meet up. And then like, you get me. I'm taking us all out. That's it. Like, we're starting okay, again from scratch. Yeah, that's it. We're starting again from scratch. If you believe in reincarnation, I'll be like, yeah, do over. We're all going. <laughs> what if you come back as the condom they use? <laughs> Wait, it'd be worth it. <laughs> that's hilarious. This episode is sponsored by Guru. Guru is reinventing knowledge sharing providing verified information from experts on your team where you work and when you need it most they are hiring on pocket jobs with roles in san fran and philadelphia link in the show notes so uh i guess congratulations are in order for the fitbit team <laughs> kind of they've sold their company to google for reported two make point something rain, billion um so i want to ask you abba like how does it feel though if you're not a fitbit user are you no. You're not. But let's I'm say you were. I'm very anti-data tracking. You right. listen to the show, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but let's say you were. Yes. How would you feel then if one of the largest advertising companies, which is what Google are, they try to pretend that they're a large technology company, but they make all their money through advertisements, then buys a product that has your private health data, your exercise patterns, your sleep patterns. Would that make you feel uneasy? Do you know what? I would be very concerned. Right. I feel very concerned. And I, I think for me, it's the fact that I don't feel comfortable letting someone profit obscenely, as Google will do, from my data if I'm not getting something out of that. And I think with Google in particular, like 95% of all searches happen on Google and their algorithms are racist and they are trying to make them better, but not quick enough and not well enough. And... I just, I, I don't know. I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't like it. What about you? Yeah, that's the thing. I was thinking about getting um, the Aura Ring, which is like a ring that you put on and it tracks your sleep and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, I might not get it because one day you might be in the hands of Facebook. And like, what am I going to oh do gosh. then? Like, all of a sudden it's too late. Now Facebook Wipe can match. the data. Yeah, Facebook can match my profile with my sleep patterns and know me better. Maybe think, okay, at this time I'll show him an advert because he's probably awake at 1am 1, 1 when he shouldn't be. You know mm. what I mean? And... I don't know what the possible applications are with this kind of data, but it just makes me feel uneasy that do you think it's getting concentrated in, in smaller, smaller hands. Yeah. Do you think there are some people that don't care though? Like that oh, yeah. don't mind? Majority. I mean, these companies wouldn't exist if everybody cared. 
the majority of people are happy to kind of with the existing trade, which is give me free services and free goods. You know, give me my, give me my timeline, give me my Instagram, um, give me my WhatsApp, and yeah. And I, they don't even necessarily know probably what they're exchanging, but they're happy to give something up, which is their information, as far as they're aware. I'm happy to see a growing conversation happening around like consumers' relationship with their own data, and that's a space that I'm like really interested in. But I think it's like it's. Um, and I'm saying this to you off mic, I think we live in a bubble in the sense that most people um, don't give a ish about any of this like surveillance capitalism type stuff. The average consumer, the average user, and it might be out of ignorance. It might be a lack of understanding. I don't want to patronize them too much, but it just might it be also, they don't care. Like, it could also be that they 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 do care and actually they're grateful. Like for some people, right. they're just like, if you're going to give me a more personalized consumer experience in terms of like the ads that I see and you're going to help with my product discovery and it's going to be very unique to me because you know how long I sleep, when I feel anxious, you can track my heart rate, right. how many steps I'm taking, you know, I'm trying to lose weight or build this up or whatever. Like, you know, people might actually want that. Right. And I think actually the large players, because Amazon... Um, no, I'm so sorry. Apple has like a you know a lot of health tracking stuff with the Apple Watch. I think the play in the future for a lot of these companies, depending on what happens in the U.S. elections, is to get into like health insurance. Because once they know all this stuff about you, to know <gasps> yeah. about your health, like oh you've got a great heart, you exercise a lot, we're gonna cream off the top percentage oh of people gosh. who are like really fit and really look after themselves, and we'll insure those people. And um, everyone else is gonna have a high premium and a high policy. Maybe. And I only say this just because. Um, about the election just because I don't know if, if you know Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren comes in they might institute a kind of you know, Bloomberg national, now national, oh boy <laughs> they might do a national healthcare service a Medicare for all which is free healthcare essentially um, so it might there might not be any need for private insurance but if there is I'm sure that's in their roadmap but they're thinking if the, if the road is clear we're going to do private insurance also there'll still be a supplier like even if the government manage it like there's nothing to say that they won't need to like outsource some part of it right. or or help some you know get help for like modelling the costs and knowing who right. will yeah, be absolutely. more and then, and, then, no what. and then the consequences of that are that it then drives public policy like here absolutely. in the UK we've had crackdowns on alcohol crackdowns on smoking increases encouraging people to get vaccines get their boobs checked right. get whatever and all of these things are done because the company the company the country the government look at what is sucking the health budget the quickest right. and they realize it's lung cancer right. it's breast cancer it's obesity liver disease Absolutely, and yeah. so they go out to the causes and they create policy that changes that so um but the thing is i think you know a lot of people would be attracted because because amazon is so efficient in delivery and you know amazon as a consumer experience is basically top tier as like as a consumer that like you get your stuff basically five seconds before you've ordered it right literally um if people see Amazon healthcare, people are gonna be like, "I trust Amazon. I'm doing this." Like, and I can see them really getting a lot of inroads. I'm not even necessarily like, obviously, I believe Amazon healthcare. People will do it. I'm telling you. What? Like I'm a dentist? You. Yes, I'm telling you. People will do it. I mean, nah, let's know in hashtag techish and, and you know we might do a poll. But okay. I personally feel like a lot of people, um, the average consumer, would be like, "I trust Amazon more than I trust my my like what what private insurance company do you trust?" Like, like you know, what I'm saying already, like the, there's no. It's probably one of the most hated industries in the world. And if Amazon could take its brand and pivot into that with all its data, with all of its efficiencies, I think a lot of people will do it. So there's been a bit of controversy around the new Harriet Tubman film. Um, so I was going to explain who Harriet Tubman is. If you don't know that, go to your Wikipedia. That's disgraceful. If you're listening to Tekka, you should know that. <laughs> Anyways, so there's a movie coming out played and she's been played by Cynthia Revo, who is a British Nigerian actress. We talked about this actually w- with um, the episode of Sarah Cooper way back when. Um, 
and we talked about the whole concept of like do you have a problem with people from different countries playing people from different countries essentially people Samuel Jackson was upset about the fact that there were so many black British actors playing taking quote unquote black American roles um, now this film has got a lot of backlash and on the surface level when I first saw the story I thought it was oh yeah people were upset about the fact that you know it's another black Brit taking the role of, of a black American actor that that they could have done but apparently you know there's a few tweets that she did um a few years ago where they were kind of borderline disparaging towards black americans mm. um and people are just like yeah they weren't here for it and they're like yo i'm not watching that film i'm not supporting that film um uh, and it is, it is a shame because i think obviously it's a story that is worth being told it's a story that needs to be told and, and known about more um but how do you feel about it like <sighs> i have such deep sigh Deep side. I have such <laughs> mixed feelings Apple. about this because first I was like, oh my gosh, they made a movie about Harriet Tubman. That's amazing. Like the Underground Railroad. Right. Let's learn about that history. Let's bring it to the mainstream. Let's celebrate the courage and the bravery that all of these people put into it. But let's also remember that white people enslaved black people for hundreds of years. And... um let's let's remember that this is why we live in a white supremacist culture and let's remember that that's why racism still exists microaggressions are happening every day there's an ethnic pay gap there's bad representation of people of color and specifically black people in our industry tech in founders whatever for me i was just like so excited that we had another film kind of like hidden figures right yeah which would allow us to engage in a dialogue across races across mm-hmm. identities mm-hmm. to understand our history and remember the role that it plays in our present. Right. And basically trying to make a better future. Got you. So I was all excited about that. Yeah. Then I saw that instead of focusing on that opportunity, black tech, Twitter, black Twitter, whatever, social media folks were digging up these old tweets. Right. Some of them are like super old. I'm not right. saying it's okay, right? I got you, yeah. And basically saying like, I'm going to boycott this film because... She said something offensive about African American people, right? However many years ago, yeah. And I just felt frustrated because I just felt that it seemed to not serve a purpose mm. beyond shaming someone mm. who said something she might regret. I feel like we all have done. I don't know if she hurt anyone. I know that words can hurt people mm. and words can kill. Mm. I don't believe this is a case where that has happened. Mm. So let me explain what the tweet was. So essentially she was talking back and forth, I think in 2013, and she basically mocked, basically says she she did an impersonation of a quote unquote ghetto accent mm. and just wrote a tweet basically um, impersonating a stereotypical um, quote unquote ghetto accent that is quite disparaging towards you know, uh, black Americans in that sense. Um, but I think what you're saying, oh no, sorry, carry on. I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, go on. Yeah, so I guess I just, I don't know. Like when Obama the other day was like, stop tweeting and like do stuff. Right. Everyone was a bit like, okay, boomer. But a part of me was like, I do kind of get it. Mm. I do kind of get it because it's very easy to scroll through someone's Twitter account and be like, oh, well, what, what, look at what you said about this. But the fact is, she's playing a historic role mm. in a film that I hope will have a positive impact on all of us. Right. And, and be celebrated and regarded and stuff like that. At a time where, like, we still need to be better at representation in film for black people. Right. And in terms of telling black stories. 
And I just, I don't know. I feel like we kind of like are focusing on the wrong thing. Um, what do you think? I I do agree, you know, partly with what you're saying there. I think, though, we just have to be careful in the sense that um, anytime you're, you're, as much as, you know, Harriet Tubman is a black hero, she's also specifically a black American hero, just like I'm sure there's Nigerian heroes, just like I'm sure there's South African heroes that are, you know, and those stories are held very closely to those specific countries and, and ethnic groups. Um, and I feel like, if you do something wrong in what she did, come out and apologize. And she never did. She actually kind of doubled down and was kind of like, well, people don't like me because I'm British. And it's like, well, from what I've seen, and I've seen a lot of prominent people who have come out and, and criticized her, it's more to do with the fact that like, you just didn't apologize. It's not the fact that you're British. It's not the fact that, you know, here comes another black Brit. It's more to do with the fact, and I'm not saying there are some people that who are probably well, are like, what if she doesn't feel she misspoke? Well, I mean, what if I she think agrees with that's, those that's, that's things? A, that's a, that's a incredibly tone deaf. You know, if I was to come through and be like, I'm going to portray um, Nelson Mandela. Okay, it's not possible. But like, you know what I'm saying? Let's say I'm going to portray Nelson Mandela, South African legend. And then I'm going to come through and say something derogatory about black South Africans or impersonate them and, and do it in a way people are like, I don't like that. Like me in that group, I don't like that. And the way sometimes, you know, a white person might say something about black people in general. Right. And, and they're like, I don't get what's the problem. I don't, but can I, I ask don't, you something? How come in The Wire? Right. Idris Elba can play Stringer Bell. This is what I'm saying. It's and not, it's okay. No, but this is what I'm it's not about specifically that she, that she's Black Brit. It's the what I've seen from the people that are that are being you know making a constructive point is that she said something that was kind of derogatory and she just didn't apologize about it. So if you are going to be a Black Brit and do something and do it well, just come out and say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I offended anybody. Like I, it wasn't my intention. It was a joke that I, that was wrong. And I'm I'm sorry about it. I have utmost, just make a statement. I have utmost utmost respect for Black Americans and their story and whatever whatever. And I apologize. That's it. It would have been under the it would wrapped up but she didn't I don't, I don't know why and, and, and the thing I don't like now is actually they're coming out and they're saying oh it's just because she's a black Brit um, they didn't do the same thing to Idris they didn't do the same thing maybe because she's a woman I'm like it could be because of that maybe there is an element where people are, are you know more angry the fact that it's a black British woman but what I'm saying is also at least just apologise and, and, and I think it would have got swept under the carpet and now it's sad because a film that has a great story to tell it's been, you know, it's been so they want, railroaded. Yeah, but that, her apologizing wouldn't change that. So they want her to apologize for impersonating a ghetto accent. Right. I'm not, listen, but the thing is, it's not me. It's not for me to say what's offensive to you, though, is it? I can say something about, is it possible that I could say something about women that you would find offensive that I just would be tone deaf to and be like, I don't get it. Is that possible? It is possible, right? Yeah. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. So, you know, uh, black Americans have every right to be like, yo, I, I don't mess with that. That's not cool. That might be an in-house thing that we can do. It's not an out-house thing. Not everybody, not everything's for everyone, right? So certain things that you just can't say. And if you do say it, just apologize. I don't know. Let's but um, we'll mm. see. I think it's a shame. I think it will, it's, it's going to tank in the box office. Um, and and also, do you think there's an element where, where people are tired of slave movies? Well, they shouldn't be. <laughs> if you are, you shouldn't be. I, I mean, so. I found it hard to watch 12 Years a Slave. I'm not going to lie. Right. But at the same time, it's like, our history it's our history right i feel you it's our history i feel you but what i would say is is that it's not the totality of our history and i think why black panther for example oh, yeah, even totally. though yeah, why black panther for example was so beloved as a movie um wasn't just because okay like it's a marvel hero it was just because it told a different story and mm. it was you know it was an afrofuturism type thing where it's like we can imagine a better future and and this is us in a way where we are not completely subjugated and 
I feel like Hollywood probably hasn't got the message that we want to see other stories. You know what I'm saying? And as yeah. much as, as important as those stories are from that chapter, like there's other chapters that will probably. Oh be yeah, more totally. Fruitful. There you should be like loads of black films, and some can talk about history, some can be sci-fi, some yeah. can be rom-com, some can be thrillers, and, and it can be history, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that history specifically. Oh yeah, cool. You know what I'm saying? Agreed. Like, um, let's go to the kingdom of Ife. There, there we go. There's some exciting stuff happening there. Um, but let's see, let's see, um, let's see what it pans out. Yeah, it's sad. It's a sad. Um, let's come to this though. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank and, you. Um, yeah, we'll be back next week with more current events we and latest news you. and stuff like that. So, shout out to you. Thanks for listening. Hashtag Techish for the review. Go on, Abba. Oh. <laughs> I always get so excited. <laughs> yeah, hashtag Techish. We love to hear from you. Review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And did you know we're on Patreon? Patreon.com slash Techish. <laughs> Cheers.